on the Access Podcast. Whether you've had sex or don't have sex, everyone has broken sexuality, and God can redeem anyone. Mm-hmm. God can redeem any situation. He can make anyone pure. He can make anyone white as snow. We're here to equip and mobilize you in identity and evangelism. Enjoy the episode. Well, hey, welcome to the Access Podcast today. I have my good, good friends, and R. Mayo and Benjamin <laughs> left with me today. How are you guys yeah, doing? Doing great. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Doing very well, especially with an you know an introduction like that. Yes. Yeah, NR, right? Um, well, today we're going to be talking uh, about sex and sexuality. This is uh, somewhat of a recap of our series that we're doing at Access on Thursday nights. And specifically, we are going to be talking uh, specifically about men and mm-hmm. sexuality and sexual sin and really our identity in Christ as men, how that affects our sexuality. Although I do think this can, uh, uh, a gal could watch this and, and be encouraged by it as well. But we are going to focus on the lens of our experiences as first of all, just men, but also our experiences as pastors and as leaders in ministry and what we've navigated through the years with ourselves, but also with people that we've been ministering to. So we're just going to jump right into it. Hope you enjoy uh, this episode uh, and we're going to jump right into it. You guys ready? Oh yeah. We're talking about sex. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Cue the music. Cue the, oh, <laughs> cue the music. Oh, gosh. Just gosh. Uh, so kind of the first thing that I wanted to navigate or just address with us is the importance of specifically like this type of conversation mm-hmm. in talking yeah. about sex, talking about sexuality. And I think, Ben, we, we were talking about it before we started recording about destigmatizing yeah. the the conversation on sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So did you have any thoughts you want to share on that? No, it's just, it's something that we have to talk about. I think it's the kind of the hidden closet topic in, especially in the church is we just don't talk about it. And yet, if you look at the numbers about even just pornography addiction, and we, we'll get to that later, just how many people are dealing with that, those mm-hmm. addictions, um, like we just, we need to start talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that we don't talk about it, but it, we typically talk about it in the do's and don'ts is how yeah. most people link the church's conversation. Don't do this. Yeah. Do this, you know? Right. And and I think when we when we approach it solely from that and when we have it to be such a taboo subject, there comes to be a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of condemnation around yeah. it. And actually bringing it out and putting it on the table and going, let's actually have a healthy, God-honoring conversation about yeah. this yeah. takes the shame away, uh, starts to take a lot of the fear away because you start to realize, wait a second, I'm not the only person right. who's dealing with this. Um, but then you also realize, but there's also hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, others have overcome this, and, and it's not something I have to be bound to for forever. Mm-hmm. I think there's also another aspect of of talking about it within the church and why we need to have these kind of conversations is because we get to frame them within the, the context, the narrative, and the story of God, his redemptive plan, and who he created us to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're so inundated by the conversations from communi- or from uh, culture mm-hmm. that's trying to paint us into a completely different picture, tell us a completely different idea of what the good news in this area is. Yeah. Uh, so we need to have more and more of these conversations to destigmatize it and make it a healthy place that we can go and not feel shame. Yeah. Yeah. When we say like we need to talk about it, I mean, we're not just saying we need to talk about sex in general. We're like you're saying, we're saying we need to talk about sex within the framework of God's redemptive work and his story and his Mm -hmm. design. Yes. 
And often, and maybe maybe the church has done a better job. Maybe I just never was cued in on it. But it seems like we don't talk about it much, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an interesting idea of how the natural response of a Christian leader to approach this topic. It's, it's interesting because we say it's bad, bad, bad. Don't have sex. Don't have sex. Don't have sex. Don't look at images. But all the while, like, like sex is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like we're trying to sell a narrative of don't do this. It's bad. Right. But then how God wired us as men and as women, mm-hmm. he's wired us for sex mm-hmm. and for sexual intimacy. That's right. And so when we just say bad, 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 your body's telling you a different story. Yeah. Absolutely. Your body's saying, no, good, good, good. <laughs> you <Yes>. know, <laughs> while your pastor and leaders are saying bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Right. And we don't frame it within the context of God's design and constantly communicate the framework of God's design. It can't mm-hmm. just be a one-time message yeah. that right. you do once a year because music, movies, yeah. Netflix shows, TikTok, just YouTube, constant, it is constant. literally every day, all yeah. day, where we're getting messages sent to us about what sex is about and what its purpose is yeah. and how we should interact with our sexual drives and with our sexual history and everything. So mm-hmm. that's why I just think it's so important is that the narrative of culture is sending the message and the church needs to be sending the message consistently of God's design for sex and creating a safe place for people to communicate their experiences, communicate their struggles and their sin (laughs) and finding redemption and hope in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And there is importance, right? What we're also not talking about is putting it out on the table so we can get comfortable with our sexual sin. Interesting. Yeah. You know, so, so again, when we find it within the context, there are things that, that are bad, but uh, we need to understand what that means, Mm -hmm. right? We need to understand what bad means. It's not just that it's a bad thing, but it's doing unfortunate things to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when we get a better understanding, I'm sure we're going to dive into that in this conversation. When we get a better understanding, we understand that it could both feel and be great and pleasurable, but also in the wrong context, be, be doing something quite unfortunate to our souls, to our bodies, to, um, our social relationships in, in different aspects like that. So, um, yeah, I just bring that up to say, it's also not us just going, hey, let's talk about it to where, you know, we no longer care about sexual right. sin. Our righteousness, yeah, yeah, or our sanctification. Yeah, but let's let's do it in a way that's honoring towards God's design for humanity and for who we're called to be. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about, and I also think it's, a, it's an important distinction to make here is, Although we do want to talk about sex, we do want to talk about our sexual sin. We want to help people get out of hiding and talk mm-hmm. about. You also got to be very careful who you talk about sexual sex sin <laughs> and your sexual history and sure. even sex with, because it's not something that we should, you know, shout from the rooftops yeah. and tell everyone. We should actually tell trusted people. That's why community is so important. Right. Christian friendships are so important and people that you trust and that you know are following Jesus. So those are the types of people that we're recommending that we yeah. talk about these things with, yeah. not yeah. not strangers, not, <laughs> you know what I mean, not coworkers, mm-hmm. and not people who aren't going to value and and care about your soul. Yeah. Cuz people yeah. could take advantage of your story and manipulate you through knowing information about us. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's real good. So let's uh, let's kind of jump into this next talking point. Um as we talk about purity, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot that could, a lot that people could think when we say the word purity, right? People have different definitions. 
So when I say the word purity, I don't know what, what sparks in your mind and how should we define purity as it relates to our sexual history and our stance, really our standing before God when it comes to our sexual history and purity. Hmm. Ben, you want to share some thoughts? <clears throat> well, I, I, my first thoughts was about like all of the negative connotations that I've maybe gathered over the years along with that word, you know, of, of purity and, and associating kind of what we were just talking about, like this, I don't know, this idea that like your sex drive is bad, you know, mm-hmm. and that you need to like kill your sex drive. Right. And that's what that purity looks like, you know, and that's just, you know, a myth that's not true. You know, mm-hmm. um, God gave us a sex drive for a reason. Um, and you know, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody and, you know, realizing like if, if we're constantly feel like we're fighting a battle, like it, like if, if, and that battle is perpetual forever, then maybe we've missed out on the redemptive nature mm-hmm. of God and how he, yeah. like what you were saying, wants to restore us to his story and say, this isn't bad. He actually created us for it, uh, for sex and for, to have a sex drive. But what does that look like in the redemptive and healthy way that he designed us for? And so I think that's more about what purity is. Purity is, is, is about coming into alignment with a view of sexuality that is, um, you know, God's view of sexuality. Um, yeah, those are kind of my initial thoughts. That's really good. Yeah. In the, in the discipleship program, we talk quite heavily about formation, malformation, right? And, and typically we can get almost this dualistic idea of it's either good or it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we understand that, that we've all gone through life in a certain way that has been malforming, right? We talked about culture earlier. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, we are we are malformed or misformed or formed in the wrong direction by all sorts of different uh, experiences that we've had, that we've misunderstood, right? Some young guy enters into... Uh, whatever it is in early age of sexuality and, and misunderstands what's happening there, mm-hmm. right? It could be something as simple as a first erection mm-hmm. and going, what do I do with this? And there's a, a misunderstanding there and without turning towards what the, the original blueprint, what the original design, what the original vision and identity is for that thing mm-hmm. um, can unfortunately get malformed, not intentionally, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about purity, Purity isn't just not doing certain things. It's actually having a right vision of what God called these things to be in the first place. Something is pure. Gold is pure when the impurities are not in it, Mm -hmm. right? It's not, well, it's either pure gold or impure gold. Well, gold could be impure, but when it's refined, Mm -hmm. when it's put through a process of that refining, that fire, that vision of what it actually can be, um, the impurities start to burn out over time. Mm-hmm. Right. So to my short answer to your question of what is purity, it's having the right vision. Now, we could be <clears throat> moving into purity or impurity, even even malformed as we're being formed and conformed to the image of Christ. Right. It's a process. It's not a, a light switch. It's something that we're growing into. So purity is having that vision before us and then steadily fumbling towards that vision. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I hear you saying that it's not binary in a sense, if I can use that word. It's not yep. just one or the other. It's yeah. like it's like you're pure and then you have sex outside of marriage because we would hold the view right. that sex is to be within the within the boundaries of a male and female covenant marriage, yeah. right? That's the healthy God's design for sex. Anything outside of that, you are therefore unpure from this point on. And there is no possible way for you to become pure. Right. That's yeah. that's kind of like the, I would say the way that I viewed it yeah, growing right. up, How right? We that was my natural yeah. response to purity was that as long as I don't have sex, <laughs> you know, then I'm pure, you yeah. know? And all the while, like my story is, you know, discovering pornography, masturbation, fantasy when I was 11 years old and doing that all the way up through my teenage years yeah. and judging all of my friends at school. Well, all of <laughs> them are, ha- they're all having sex while, you know, yeah. there's masturbation going on and all this crazy stuff, but I'm, I'm the pure one, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not having sex. Right. And right. I'm just, yeah, that's where I'd say, what is purity? It's, it's, it's an identity. It's actually a, it's a, it's an identity that God gives us in Christ. That's mm. right. Yeah. It's, it's an identity piece that he makes us pure mm-hmm. through the blood and through the sacrifice of Christ. And as we express our faith and to use your words, as we get vision for what it means to be pure in Christ, mm-hmm. we actually start living out purity, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just in deed, but in <clears throat> thought and in motive. Yeah, oh, completely. I remember actually years ago, Jake, talking to you about this topic, and and you mentioned um, that if people started asking God or that you started asking God what sex was really about, Mm -hmm. that changed a lot of things for you. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of sums up what we're talking here is, is we need to be asking Jesus, what, what is sex actually about? Is it about these physical actions? Is it about our sex drive? Is it about our sex? Is it, is it, yeah, specifically the physical actions that we're doing, but, or is it about something deeper? What is sex meant for? You know, what, what is sex meant to do? Yes. Procreate, you know, but beyond that, what is sex meant to do? You know, mm-hmm. as a as a place of intimacy uh, between a man and woman, you know. So, yeah, and that gets into I think the vision, the purpose, mm-hmm. the the purpose of sex, and why did God create it? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we just as as Christians and as really as as a American culture, we're somewhat moralist, meaning we like to just talk about morals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like okay, we don't really care about the purpose. What can I do? What can I do? Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. don't worry me with the purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Just give me the boundaries. And yeah. But in, in God's world, he's always about the purpose. Yeah. Because if you don't understand the purpose of something, then you're, you're destined to, to misuse it. Right. Yeah. Even if it, you are married. Yeah. Right? You know, you married couple, like, right? And I'm not... <laughs> Right, a married couple. You could you could be pure as pure can be, meaning not have sex, not watch porn, not masturbate. You get in marriage, and you you could, and that's still you're still not living in the purity that God created us to live yeah. in. Because if you don't have right. God's view, right, and understand it, then you can't use it for the glory of God. Yeah, I, I just something to add on to that. Um, I a bit of transparency for my own story. Um, a trusted mentor uh, in my life and I were talking. Um, you know and this is in the context of me already being married, um, to my wife and having sex. And he asked me, he said, are you having sex with your wife or are you having sex with a feeling? Hmm. Are you having sex with your wife or are you having sex with 
a feeling or are you having sex with your wife or are you trying to um, medicate Right. What what needs are you trying to meet in yourself? And I think this kind of hits at, you know, we're we're kind of dancing around this idea of of asking God, you know, what His vision for sex is, and and maybe to just hit on what God's yeah. vision of sex is. I think it's it's meant to be a place of pure vulnerability and intimacy with a person where you're letting all your guards down, you're letting all your walls down and you're meeting that person in the most vulnerable, intimate expression that you can have, um, through sex. And, and you can totally not do that (laughs) even in marriage, you know, in our previous definition of merit of, of purity, um, we can say, Oh yeah, I'm pure because I'm having sex in marriage. But but I wouldn't even necessarily call that pure if I'm just having sex with a feeling or, or having mm-hmm. sex with my wife in order to meet these, um, you know, maybe things in me that I'm actually trying to cope with yep. through sex. Yeah, and, I, and I think, and I think you can't have true spiritual godly purity without Christ at the center of it. Right. right. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It, you need Christ. Like everything has to involve Christ in his yeah. redemptive work yeah. in order for it to be pure or righteous or holy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're doing things, you know, anything that we do without faith is sin. Right. And so, right. and so if we're not doing it within the lens of God's design, it's, it, we're misusing it. Right. And yeah, I could go literally, we could we, probably have yeah. this conversation for an hour and a half in a, and maybe mm-hmm. we should, I don't yeah. know, but yeah. I, I, one thing I'll, I'll say too, just that that's helpful for me is that I always kind of wonder, you know, like why God, like, why do you want sex to only take place in marriage? You know? And as I learned that sex is meant to be this thing of, of true vulnerability and intimacy with a person, that's why it makes sense that there's a covenant there, a covenant in place, because if I'm having this extremely intimate, vulnerable, um, you know, experience with a person and there's a chance that they might walk away, (laughs) you know, or they might leave me or they might reject me after that. Like there's a, 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 not a foundation of trust built there, but when there's covenant, there's trust that says, I love you and I'm committed to you no matter what. Um, so I know that might be, I think it's worth saying here. No, it's not off topic. I think it's worth saying here that, you know, for people who have had sex before marriage, for people yeah. who are even maybe same sex attracted or maybe people who have yeah. dabbled in all sorts of sexual sin, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's important to note here that, that Christ can redeem anyone yeah. mm-hmm. and that broken sexuality is not just about having sex before marriage. Bro, everyone is broken sexu- sexually. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Whether you've had sex or don't have sex, everyone has broken sexuality mm-hmm. and God can redeem anyone. Mm-hmm. God can redeem any situation. He can make anyone pure. He can make anyone white as snow mm-hmm. as we come to him with ourselves mm-hmm. and we bring our brokenness to him mm-hmm. and we find just like the woman at the well who right meets Jesus and she's had five husbands and she's living with a man who's not her <clears throat> and Jesus doesn't meet her with a uh, wagging finger saying right. shame on you he right. says he says to her like I'll give you water then you'll never be thirsty again yeah. right mm-hmm. he's saying I can satisfy every one of your needs yeah. really getting to the point that our sexual um, deviousness is often not because uh, we are sinful people but it's because we're actually 
we're actually broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to medicate our brokenness exactly. with sex or exactly. with pornography or yeah. with fantasy, masturbation, whatever it is we we fill it with. Yeah. Completely. It's this broken sexuality that we need to bring to Christ to allow him to give us our identity and really show us the purpose of sex for us and where we, 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 we feel it and see it as broken. Yeah. It's interesting too, because you bring up the woman at the well, Jesus was the one who brought up her husband's, Hey, go get your husband. <laughs> She's like, uh, and he starts talking about, you've been, you've been married five times and the man you're with isn't even your husband. And he brings it up in order to offer her rivers of living water. He brings it up in order to bring healing. And that's an important distinction to, to make is, Mm-hmm. We need to understand that when Christ starts poking at these things, yeah. like you said, it's not to to wave a, a wagging finger at these things. It's to start to say, like he was saying to the woman at the well, you've been searching for something in all the wrong places. And until you find this in me, you will continue searching, continue searching, continue searching. And you're going to find this pattern going over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. So here she was. And apparently, like you were saying, you could be you could be in marriage mm-hmm. and still not be in purity. Yeah, you could be in marriage, and we don't have a, a whole lot of information on why she had five husbands. Maybe some of them died. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it seems as though the reason she was going into marriage was for searching something that wasn't the purity in the pure form of what God had for marriage. Otherwise, those marriages would have been lasting. Um, She may not have been going at the time of day that she was because she was feeling shame, all these different aspects, right? So I I just, I think that's an important distinction to bring up at this point of going, again, the reason why we have these conversations is because Christ wants to get in here. He wants to restore our vision back to what he had intended in the first place. He wants to heal these places of our heart. And and it's, yeah. That's good. I was thinking through, uh, you know, typically we know John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, if we go to John 17, Uh, I think that this is a great distinction here. It says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Uh, I think it's the message translation that says, He didn't send the the Son in to to wag a condemning finger at, but in order to bring all things back to right again, to restore things back to his original design again. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of stealing the the conversation real quick. No, please. I wanted to, we've kind of touched around this idea of what God's design is for marriage, but I want to pull it out of scripture and just put it cl- plain and clear yeah. for us right here, uh, right at the beginning. So Genesis 2, uh, Adam just had Eve taken out of his rib. He looks at her and says, uh, the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, the one called woman. Uh, and he goes on and says, therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh hear that. They become one flesh. There is unity that happens within the sexual intercourse. There is a a deep knowing that happens that creates even a safe bed for the covenant of marriage to happen. Uh, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And that's a beautiful picture of of what God's intention is for, is when sexual identity is healthily expressed, healthily stepped into, one man, one woman coming together as husband and wife, find a place to where there's no shame, 
to where they can be safe and vulnerable before each other. Uh, they're modeling actually so much of the covenant that we have with the Lord for the mm-hmm. rest of the world by yeah. being able to step into this place. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's beautiful. It is pure. And when you when you step into something like that, you start to recognize anything else that I was searching for has nothing compared to the purity that this has. That, that I would know my wife, Emily, in the way that I know her, not because I'm going into it trying to get something from her right. or worshiping sex in right. and of itself. Yeah. I'm also not worshiping Emily. Right. But to be able to step into that and have that deep intimacy, to be known, to know, yeah. to have no shame, yeah. like that's a beautiful picture. And when you get that picture, uh, and when you hear individuals who have been able to step into that and say, no, this is this is incredible. I feel more known in that moment yeah. than in any other moment in my life, or or at, even the Lord reveals how He knows me in that moment yeah. in a deep way. Yeah. Like it's profound. Yeah, and we start to go, okay, that's a completely different vision than oh, sex is no big deal. Just go out and try and get as much right. of it as you can, right? Yeah, it's a we have a sex drive and we have sexual needs, and so just get those needs filled. Right. Yeah. It's so shallow and worldly. Yeah. I just want to add one thing onto that. Everything you're saying, you know, really, I think about from the perspective of a single person, you know, we're talking a lot from, from yeah. a married perspective, you know, a single person can still grow in that place of intimacy, but it's got to happen first with the Lord, right? Yes, completely. You want to talk about that a little bit, or you want me to just continue going? Keep on? going. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but just like the intimacy uh, that that is to be expressed in marriage, in that marriage covenant of of being known and and truly knowing each other, we can actually begin to develop that first with the Lord, right? We, we need to have that with the Lord and have him meeting us in that place so that we can actually be secure enough to do that with our wife in marriage, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because otherwise if we're, if we're not getting our security from the Lord, like you said, I'm looking for my security in, in, in my wife or to worship my wife or to have my needs met through my wife, you know? So, I think for a single person, that that's one way they can actually begin to um, healthily manage their sex drive is actually to grow in intimacy with the Lord. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a it's a matter of don't. It's not saying no to sex when you're single. Right. Right. We're not saying no to sex. We're actually saying yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. To sex. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and I think good. that's the distinction. That was the change for me when I was. I think I was probably 21. I listened to, and I've shared this before, but I listened to a message from Dan Moeller and he said something and it rocked my world, mm. like rocked my world. And it's, it's a little graphic, but I'll, I'll make it a little more family friendly. <laughs> but he said, Adam was not walking around the garden with an erection. Mm. And then God did not create Eve so that Adam could have <laughs> his sexual needs met. And I think, and and that's silly to kind of think about, but it's like, no, how much was my growing up thinking like, I have sexual needs, I have sexual Mm -hmm. needs, and marriage is so that my sexual needs can be met, Mm -hmm. and so that I'm not this ravenous beast going out there, you know, and so that's Mm -hmm. what marriage is for. It's like, no, Eve was created, like you were talking about, so that for intimacy and so that Adam could lay down his life for her. Completely. It was love. Completely. Adam was made in the image of God, which was the image of love, but he had no 
person in order to lay down his life for. Right. And so Eve was actually made yes. so that Adam can serve and lay down his life for her. Yeah. And then sex was a union, and we could talk about the biology of what happens in sex and the chemical reactions in the brain, but there's crazy unity that happens, spirit, soul, and body mm-hmm. in, in sex. Yeah. And it's actually a driving force, and there's this unity in, that comes, like I said, spirit, soul, and body, so that I have this, it's like, I, I want to lay down my life for Abby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not because sex, but it's because that is actually a driving force for my intimacy and my, and my desire to love my wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually a picture of how Christ loved the church. Exactly. Right. And so yeah. when, when I was, when I, when my mind was in a sense renewed to see sex, not as a need to be met, but an avenue in which God could get glory through my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I, at that point could say yes. Yeah. Yes to sex. Now, did that mean I never made a mistake from that point on? No, not at all. Right, right. But I had a vision. Yeah. And that vision helped me create boundaries and that bo- those boundaries helped me to walk into marriage more pure than I ever thought I could ever be. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you really what you're hitting on there too is how our culture teaches us to objectify women. You know, yeah, like, totally. You know, to to use them as a sex object to accomplish our our needs. You know, yeah. and to find fulfillment. Um, yeah, like what what I tell couples is just a funny thing. What I tell, when I'm doing premarriage counseling and we talk about sex, I say, okay, God is not going to be closing his eyes and giving you space <laughs> once you have sex. Yeah. That's right. He's not like, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, Jesus, yeah. let's just walk out of the room and let's just do their deed because that's dirty. You know, we don't want to be in there. And I say, no, that like the Holy Spirit is more present in your bedroom on that night yeah. than ever before in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually get to encounter Holy Spirit in a way that you've never encountered him before, which is in the union of yeah. two becoming one. Right. And if you don't think God's there, then you're then you've been swept away into a into a view of sex that is not biblical, yeah. Yeah. and it's not that's not the way God designed it. If that Completely. makes sense, and, and I think there's even you know if we can expand out for a moment because because you're making a lot of really really great distinctions that I think we need to point out is going. I think part of the reason why we have an unhealthy vision of sex is because we have also lost the vision of marriage, mm. right? Like marriage is the bed in which sex makes sense, right? That's the, the entire vision is within the context of, of marriage. And like you said, I marry Emily in order to lay my life down for her, not to get things from her like we were talking about earlier. And, and when we have this unhealthy and malformed picture of marriage, it naturally leads to a malformed picture of sex. Because as soon as we lose the context of what marriage is, we lose the context of what sex is. Emily and I were doing wedding photography for five years, and we did both secular and Christian weddings. And what I I noticed on the secular and what I noticed started to creep into the the Christian marriages is the moment you got to the vows, uh, what's starting to happen within the vows of marriages is they start to become like love poems to one another. I think you're so beautiful. (laughs) You are so sexy. And and it's essentially what it's saying. That's not what a vow is. No. That's not what the vows of covenant of marriage is. What I'm vowing to my wife is I'm going to lay down everything I am for the sake of you. Uh, and you're already creating a space to where that union, that intimacy 
can be found, and then you take it even further when you consecrate the marriage, and then every time you consecrate it from there on out. Mm-hmm. There's a, a deep, deep union. And I think the the young couples or the young individuals, let me say it from a single aspect, when we're talking about how the singles are wrestling with this, I think one of the things that we can encourage young single men and women to do is to think much further down the line and get a healthier vision for what marriage is going to be for you. Mm -hmm. Because what I see from the young people in the church is those who have a high view of marriage have a high view of sexuality, Mm -hmm. and they they pursue that high view in a much different way than somebody who hasn't caught a vision for that at all. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And what what I'm essentially, what we're saying over and over and over again is getting a more clear vision, getting a more clear purity of what that identity is, what that vision is, what God's purpose is for sex, but then also for marriage. And if somebody's called outside of marriage, then getting a pure view of what celibacy looks like. And and, um, I think we can even blow it up a stage further beyond just marriage and our human interaction and say, what's the difference between sacrificial love and objectification? Completely. You know, are we sacrificially loving people? Because love is about giving sacrificially. Jesus, the perfect picture of love is Christ on the cross, right? Are we doing that for people or are we using them as objects for our gain? And I know that sounds really serious, but I think we don't realize how often we're doing that how often there are deep uh, subconscious things that we are medicating or needs that we are meeting through the use of other people Um, and and I think that is just you know fits right in with what you're saying in our freedom classes here we say the the first level of freedom is freedom from bad definitions Mm -hmm. and what we're talking about is a bad definition of sex bad definition of marriage bad definition of love yeah in, in, in a purity, yeah. In, in a purity and knowing where we need to get right definitions from. Again, this yeah. isn't, you know, saying it's solely about what's right and what's wrong. Um, but there is an aspect where we need to pursue right definitions in order to, to have our hearts and our minds aimed at the right place. Yeah, and I think as I've done marriage, pre-marriage ministry, and as I've just ministered to people over the years, I've met people who have very colorful sexual histories, mm-hmm. who are way more pure and secure <laughs> in their identity in Christ than an individual who's never had sex, but is secretly battling with all of these sexually perverse thoughts, but they don't right. act on them in a, mm-hmm. in a way with a gal or with a guy. Mm. And all that to say, like, it shows that it's all about the relationship with Christ and what we're living out, mm-hmm. not what we're not doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And... As we kind of move forward in this conversation, we have a little bit more time left. I don't know, five minutes. I wish we had more time. But I do want to, for the last five minutes, talk about pornography, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking a lot about, right, vision, kind of like uh, maybe a little higher view of sex and creating those good definitions, which is important. But I do want to talk about pornography and the effects of pornography. And, you know, the odds are, I mean, the statistics, you see different statistics, but some statistics are 60% of women and the church are, are watching pornography monthly, and then 80% of guys in the church are watching pornography monthly. And I know you've ministered to, in the church for a while. You've been 10 years, and I've been for a while, and it's like, it's a huge deal. It's huge. Right. It's a, it's a, most people, if they're not actively watching porn, have watched it or are watching it periodically. Right. And so 
any thoughts on that and any recommendations or any just pieces of hope that we can offer to people in the last five minutes? Yeah, I just want to kind of make a a statement of grace (laughs) to people struggling with that because there's so much shame associated with that. And as you said earlier in our conversation, we don't ever want to be comfortable with our sexual sin, but I do think we need to extend some grace because especially in ministering to students, I just see so much shame over this topic and just thinking that I am the scum of the earth. I am the lowest of the low because I can't get out of this. And I just want to say to people who might be feeling that way, like realistically, the fact that you're addicted to pornography is not really even your fault. Like we live in such a hyper-sexualized culture. That's why those numbers are so high, you know? Um, but there is hope. There is hope to move out of that, you know? And, and maybe you, you guys have some thoughts on how we move out of that. Sure. I think if you're, you know, I think it's a good distinction of saying it's not necessarily your fault. There, there are tons of things that are forming you. But then to also follow up and say, it is your responsibility. Yes. Right? And and one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm helping the young adults going through the program that I'm mentoring is recognizing that, one, the devices that are in our pocket mm-hmm. uh, are are kind of actively working against us. They're not neutral, mm-hmm. right? I, I've done a, a case study with Emily to where I've been free from pornography for years uh, and and I don't click through on, on things. I'm not watching different things. But every night at about 7 or 8 o'clock, if I were to go to my Explore page on Instagram, guess what it's trying to put before my eyes, right? Yeah. Women in bikinis, right? All these different images of women being objectified. Yep. And, and I mean, this is, this is to a pastor who, who has been free from this, who, if you look at my, my history, you can <laughs> you <laughs> follow nothing but philosophy <clears throat> exactly. and, and pastoral ministry. <laughs> I'm going, you, you yeah. need to know your audience, Instagram, but yeah. at the same time, it yeah. does know its audience. Exactly. It, it knows that I'm a, I'm a guy who has desires who, who wants those desires to be filled, you know, and, and is trying to hit me. You take that and you, you expand that and you realize, man, every young guy, every young lady is having these things hit and inundate. And this is where you're saying it's not necessarily your fault. Right. Like the, the system is working against you. Yeah. Since then, you were five <laughs> or younger. Yeah. But then taking responsibility and going, no, I choose to call evil for evil, right? To call purity for purity. I choose to get God's vision for my life. I take responsibility for that in my life. It doesn't need to mean I need to take on shame, Mm -hmm. but it does mean that I need to take action and start warring against the things that are warring against me. Start warring against and start valuing the identity that God's put in me and the purpose he's put in me and having a high view for that and going, anything that's trying to challenge that I'm going to challenge. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> even if you need to click through for a second, hit those three dots up at the top right and say, not interested. Mm-hmm. And you could start changing that. And I do that. And then three weeks later, it tries to hit me again. But but taking those actions and just going, I'm going to, to start taking responsibility and realizing we're growing in a sense of maturity that means I'm going to stand up and fight for what's pure, what's right, and, and what's holy for the sake of the vision that God set before me. Yeah, I, that's, really good. that's like 
So good. And I think as you do that, I think the, the thing that I've noticed with myself when I was battling with pornography and masturbation all through my teen and even young adult life um, was I always made myself promises. I am done. Yeah. <laughs> I am never doing this again. Right. But then, that's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Because right. So what'll happen is like, I, I can remember so many different seasons where I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to go tell someone. And I go tell a youth pastor. I tell my dad. Right. And I say, I'm done. And then six months later, I'm back into it. And then because I've made that vow, I feel shame yeah. to even say I'm back in it. And so right. then I don't tell anyone. So then I'm actually in a worse place than I was before doing, you know, looking yeah. at worse things, denial. doing more frequently yeah. because I'm like, I can't say it. I can't tell anyone because I, sure. because I told them I wasn't going to do it anymore. Yeah. And so I, I say that to say, don't make promises. Yeah. yeah. Don't say you're never going to do it. Get the vision. Mm-hmm. And then you, you said it earlier, stumble forward yeah. with Christ, with Christ, <laughs> right? Like stumble forward in community, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like tell the right people, but don't say I'm never going to do it again say, I'm moving forward in my vision. And as you do that, Christ will actually start to renew your mind and the scriptures will start to renew your mind. And then you'll look forward two years. And actually a lot of studies, like as far as like studies of the brain, it takes like two to four years to actually get free Mm -hmm. from an addiction like that. And so to to have a short view of like, I'm going to conquer this in the next month is like, probably not realistic, right? It's like, no, give yourself two years to like move forward in your priority and be consistent and bring people into community or bring people into your story that are trusted. But like, but follow Christ and give yourself grace, like you're saying. And like, let's do that because the goal isn't for us, right? As the goal isn't for us to, um, to never watch porn. The goal is for us to be pure before Christ. And so like, that's the goal. Right. And as you do that, then that gets taken care of. And I, I strongly recommend all the filters and different boundaries mm-hmm. that you put sure. on to, to avoid it. But at the same time, you gotta, you gotta have the long view of it and, yeah. and, and you gotta realize that it's going to take longer than one month to be free from yeah. a lifetime. Really for a lot of people, it's like 10 years of addiction. Sure. Yeah. So, and we could talk about it probably another hour, but let's, yeah. let's give some parting thoughts as we kind of close out the episode. Yeah. I just parting thoughts on, on this topic of pornography, you know, my own journey, I, I struggled with that, you know, very heavily from the time I was in seventh grade and even into marriage and into ministry. And, um, it it absolutely was and has been a process of walking out of that. And just one, um, really practical thing that I want to say about that, that was a game changer in that journey for me was realizing that, um, the problem, what I, the problem wasn't so much pornography and, and lust and need for sexual release. That's, that's part of it that you're wired in that way. And, and, and that's part of it, but it was coming to a realization that I actually was dealing with a low grade subsurface anxiety my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I had an anxiety and a stress that was constantly propelling me through my life. And that the best way that I had found since the time I was in seventh grade to meet that was pornography and masturbation. And so even when I knew that I didn't want that anymore, even when I hated pornography, I would still compulsively go to that because like I didn't realize it, but it was because that's all I knew how to deal with anxiety. And I didn't even realize that I had had anxiety, like truthfully, like I, I knew all the outward signs of over anxiety, but I didn't realize 
didn't know how to recognize the the deep seated anxiety, and and that really um, only went away through years of intimacy with the Lord of allowing him to show me those things and heal them. And then honestly counseling and, and talking mm-hmm. to a counselor and walking through, um, my past and my, my family of origin history and, and realizing those things that, that have gone on. And, and so I would just say to someone who's struggling with pornography, who's been in the fight for a long time, keep going, but to maybe maybe porn isn't as much of your problem as you think as something else. Mm -hmm. So to seek out what is it that you're actually trying to meet? What is the thing that you're actually trying to, I've used the word a few times, medicate Mm -hmm. through pornography. Um, So, yeah. That's huge. That's huge. I I would echo that in saying, uh, if you could start... One, realizing that oftentimes uh, pornography, masturbation, all these different things that we're discussing right now are habitually rhythmed into us, right? If you start to watch your rhythms of your day, uh, chances are you're hitting probably the same point in the day and and you've built this literally into your operating system. Mm -hmm. It's like a a notification that shows up every day. Six o'clock hits, I'm, you know, or nine o'clock hits, I'm in my room, bink, here it is, Mm -hmm. here we are again. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding that and then starting to to build some other habitual rhythms into your life of uh, even just the, the smallest little rhythm of just pausing and asking yourself, asking the Lord even better. Uh, what is it that I'm actually hungry for right now? What is it that I'm actually searching for? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I medicating because I felt rejected today at work or, or something like mm-hmm. that? Um, the other thing is, uh, I had another thing, but... <laughs> well, one thing I'll just say on that, there's actually a phenomenal application out there called Fortify that really helps people do that. Hmm. It's a it's a phenomenal application that presents you with healthy information about what pornography is and does and, and um, helps you also track what you're feeling throughout the day. And you can begin to identify um, like patterns of behavior. Nice. And then you can start to say, oh, this I'm always dealing with porn on Friday at this time. Like yeah. what's going on what happens on Friday. the day before that or the morning of that that is making me feel so stressed and anxious that this is what I feel like I need to do. Yeah. Um, so that was an app that really helped me in my journey. So I recommend it, Fortify. That is amazing. Yeah. That's so good. The the other thing that I was Got thinking it. of was we were talking about stumbling for the light, towards the light with Christ, right? Stumbling mm-hmm. forward with Christ and understanding that Adam and Eve in their shame, ran away from the Lord. And, and that tends to be our default mechanism as well. And understanding just as much as God is present in the marriage bed, he's also present, like God wasn't out of the room when you were mm-hmm. doing whatever it was that you were doing and recognizing that uh, he didn't turn away from you. Uh, you don't need to turn away from him. Even if the moment afterwards you come to, to realizing, oh, there I did it again. Instead of wrecking or like, instead of operating in the shame and running away, turn and run towards the Father. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that you could do. Turn and run towards Jesus and even reflect then, Jesus, I, I did it again, not feeling the shame, but going, what brought me to that place? Why did I do that? And the more you do that, the more you will start to realize, wait, maybe I don't have to move forward on this thing. Maybe I could just run to Christ 
in the first place. But again, that's a two to five year journey of building these habits into our lives. So that's my other thing is refuse to run away from the father, run towards. That's a great way to end. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This was a treat. Thank you. This is a huge treat. This is my first time. And that is, this is your first time on a podcast? First time. You did a great job, dude. Thank you. You crushed it. All right. We'll see you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this episode helpful or impactful at all, go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel and go ahead and share it to someone who you think it can impact as well. See you next week.